Yes, here it is. Got my acoustic in hand again. Episode 215 of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. I'm Eddie Cohn, host, creator of the show. Yeah, I've got this. I've been playing a lot of I've been playing a lot of acoustic guitar lately. And I think it's probably the main reason why I'm not recording as many podcasts lately. I think the podcast is taking a bit of a, um, you know, bit of a backseat temporarily, or I'm not sure how long it'll be, but I've, I've just, my energy has really been moving a lot towards writing some new music. And I've been playing the acoustic guitar just nonstop the last month, last six weeks. I used to play years ago and I stopped and became obsessed with piano and keyboards and, and drum loops, which I still am, but... I think this just goes to show there's really something special about, you know, just changing it up and trying new things and, you know, maybe taking a break from the acoustic guitar, then go back to it a few years later. You just never know what's going to inspire you. So This is a new, it's a new idea that I've come up with. So anyway, um, welcome to the show. My name is Eddie Cohn, host, creator of the show, the podcast, and I'm welcoming back Lee Hester to the show for visit number two. I had him on the show about a month ago, and when we were done talking, we didn't even touch on some other areas that I wanted to talk about. About an hour and 10 minutes went by. And I, I had to go, and I, I just immediately asked Lee, hey, I need to have you back on the show. Let's just do part two. Normally, I've, I've had guests on my show twice before, but a lot of times I think, you know, a year will go by. Um, but in this case, part two is happening about a month or so after part one. So, again, Lee and I dive in and talk about music, social media. Um, but I wanted to get a little bit more of a sto- uh, the backstory uh, on Lee and how he got into music and his process as a writer. And I think it's another great talk. You can find Lee on social at Lee Hester, or you can find him also on social at Too Far Moon. That's the name of his band or his side project. All the music on today's episode is from Lee. So really thankful that Lee took the time to speak to me about music and songwriting. And I feel very lucky that he shared his music as well. Uh, If you enjoy the episode, Please share it with your friends. Maybe write a review on iTunes or Google Play. That's incredibly helpful. It means a lot. You know where to find me on social at Eddie Cohn or the Spiritual Spiral Podcast. got a couple other guests lined up for the show. A couple of them are already recorded, so I just need to get to editing them. Uh, I have a new book out, SSAFY Yoga. It's a satire about our culture, and I use yoga as the backdrop. That's available now at ssafyoga.com, or it's also available on Amazon. And I think that's it. I better stop recording this intro because I want to get back to my guitar, and I can see my cats are walking into the studio and wanting to... uh, cause a ruckus. So thanks again, Lee, for taking the time to speak to me again for visit number two. And as always, thanks to you for listening, supporting, and being part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. Skies, why you bring us down? And nowhere can the sun be found. Good to see you. Likewise, likewise. It's been, it's been a little uh, noise. It's so I've got a neighbor next door who's sanding their front door, and one of my cats has been going insane. So if I ever am like uh, a bit distracted, it's just been. It's been. That's the interesting thing about recording. Whether it's a podcast or a record, I swear to God, on my last record, you can hear my cat meowing in the background in a couple songs. You probably can. <laughs> I'm sure. 
Yeah, which, you know, it's it's fine. It's funny. It's just, uh, yeah. Oh, there you go. Look behind you. Oh, see? There you go. He, he, he also, yeah, he just, he gets excited by... Snuck in. Yeah. That's the, if I close the door, he'll start, like, scratching it and making a bunch of noise. So. Yeah. Um, I just watched the Sheryl Crow documentary on Showtime, um, which is fantastic. And huh. I just read Liz. Were you a Liz Fair fan at all? Yeah, you know, years ago. Yeah, so, yeah, me too. Yeah, well, I, I kept up with her. Yeah, yeah. She, um, she was a she was a rebel. Totally. She was awesome. And so I well, her book called Horror Stories, which came out a couple of years ago, but I just finished reading it last week, and. Um, they're both her Cheryl's movie and Liz Fair's book are both fantastic, and um, I think watching that movie and and listening to the uh, or reading the book and watching the movie, you know what it is? Creativity is this very intimate, quiet, reflective, indescribable space, and I think when you sort of Everything is so, look, I'm, I'm generalizing here, but it, it, at least to me in my periphery, the, the world can potentially be very noisy and very, fa- sure. and very fast-paced and um, a bit, Leo, get down, buddy. Sorry, my cat just jumped right on the table. Um, <laughs> you know, the world can be very frenetic and fast-paced and, and, and blurry and... And Cheryl and Liz touch on this. You know, it's it's sort of the complete opposite of what artistry potentially is. And so I think, very similar to our conversation, it's it's I think it's challenging, not impossible, but it's it's that balancing act of of using tech, but also at least for me, you know, I, I need reflective quiet time to, to create and and. And, and write from and, and, you know, touch on that. I mean, where's, where's your creative world? What's, what's stimulating you? And, and are you aware of, okay, I need to turn off the television for, for a week? Or, you know, how do you juggle these two things and then talk about your creativity and that process a bit? A lot there mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. That's, that's a lot. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, I think I, I was listening to our podcast, obviously, and, um, you know, just for editing it, but then also I always like to listen back just to see if everything comes out well. And you know, I, I it's weird when you criticize or talk about the world. It, it I don't want to ever sound like critical or that whiny old curmudgeon old man, but it it is for me. It's it's a tough world to navigate and and trying to be creative, but also putting myself out there and let people know I have a new song out. I mean, it's 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 complex. Sure. Yeah. Um... You know, with with trying to answer that currently, like where I'm at right now, um, you know, I used to have a creative. We'll talk about what I used to have, or kind of how how I've always been historically versus kind of where I'm at now, because it's a little different. But I, for many years, I had a wonderful creative space that was that a friend of mine helped me build many years ago. It was a, you know, it was a good thousand square foot facility. Like I did a lot of records in there um, for myself and other people and, you know, stacked with tons of gear and, you know, all the, all the goodies you could ever dream of. Like I, I was really lucky to, um, I invested a lot into that space and into, um, ultimately into my art because it helped me make better music I felt, but also gave clients the opportunity to have access to really good gear. So I always had this space that was pretty readily available to me when I wasn't working with clients. Um, And it was heavily soundproof. So I, you know, I, I had zero, issues with the outside world when it, when it comes, when it came to finding a quiet place. So I always, that was like a sanctuary for me. Like I was always able to go in there and once I was inside, I could be anywhere in the world in my mind. Right. Like I literally, I could be, okay, until I step outside, maybe I'm, you know, I mean, I didn't do that, but I could do that. Like if I really wanted to, I could, there were no windows, 
there was nothing. It was all, all enclosed, no windows. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't hear anything, see anything yeah. from the well, outside world. You know? I mean, not that I'm detracting from what you're saying. You're, you're taking this from a, in a literal space, but, but even like figuratively, like, were you able to turn off the mental noise? Oh yeah. When so you walked in, when you walked in there and it just, yeah. So it, it was all parallel. Yeah. It, it, they, they all they all kind of went together. So that, I guess that's really kind of where I was going with it. Is that, you know, I, I was fortunate to have a space that really helped me to detach myself right. from the from either maybe what was going on in in my life or um, you know in my family. Like like there was a season. It was a pretty heavy season in my in my family with a sibling of mine that you know was going through some medical stuff for a really long time, and you know I, I was that was a space that, and I'm not saying that everybody needs to have that kind of space to be able to do this, but for me, it definitely helped for me once I shut that door that I was I was create I was I was in I was embracing my surroundings yeah i had to keep my phone on um but i always put it far away from me right so if i needed to get on the phone i had to literally stop what i was doing and so i think over time i realized how distracting it is creatively to stop working on something to go do something mindlessly or to you know to uh interrupt that moment and how hard it is to actually reconnect to it yeah. when you're, when you're in it, it takes a really long time for you to actually reacclimate to the moment that you stopped hmm. in a creative process. Um, Do you think that's been something subconsciously that's been, uh, I mean, you can get as personal as you want, but do you think subconsciously that's been something over the last year or two that has been sort of uh, rearing its head on your creative process? Um, well, um, yes. Yes, and also a plethora of other things yeah. that happened well before 2020. But um, yes, that that created a lot of noise for me. Now, the interesting thing is I do know people who can create amazing art in, in the midst of chaos. Hmm. They're just able to do it. So I don't want to like discredit the fact that people can get, can get stuff done in any environment. There are people who can do that. Not all of us can, but there are certainly people who have their back to the wall. They have a very limited amount of time. There's a lot going on. They brought a lot in into whatever situation with them, whether it be a studio or it, it be finishing a painting that you were commissioned to do. They thrive in the noise versus thriving in the silence. Yeah. And they thrive in the chaos versus the calm. And I think sometimes you have to, like sometimes you just, you have to, you have to press through the noise, but for me personally, I think I'm, I'm best when my head is clear and my heart is clear. Um, or if I, you know, if also clutter, like I can't do clutter. And sometimes that can really be distracting. Yeah. That can be as distracting as scrolling on your, on your phone, you know, where you've got cables everywhere, or you're tripping over stuff or you're, you're moving things to get to things, you know, instead of creating. Do you ever, um, it's weird. Cause like, I feel like you and I are similar in the sense that um, I often wait for the muse um, and people have told me to be disciplined and, you know, write every day or just, you know, spend an hour and, and be in front of logic. And maybe it's a drum loop this day, or, uh, I mean, have you ever done that sort of dis disciplinary action of just, I'm going to do something every day for an hour or, is that is that hard for you to to uh, to try? Um, it's hard. Yeah, but I will say I, I will share this this story with you because I mean there are people who know and there you know there are people who don't. Um, but in two thousand, I think it was like 
So I opened up, I opened up a facility publicly in 2007. And the moment that I opened it up, I started just, I, I stepped into a studio owner, producer, house engineer, mix engineer, everything, everything guy, right? For all my clients um, that I started picking up and started working for. And I stopped writing. Um, and I didn't write for about a, about a year. I, I didn't write. And it was around the time that I had released, this was my last like Lee Hester record. Mm -hmm. You know, the licensing cycle, you know, back then there was a cycle, you know, you released the record, it had like an eight, 12 to 18 month shelf life for licensing usually. And then in that time you would, you would write another record. You know, we talked about this last time, but Uh like you would write another record and be prepared to release something, you know, 18 months to two years after your previous release. Like that would be kind of the cycle. And I hadn't written anything. And that record was already almost two years old. I literally had nothing. I had nothing in the queue. I had no ideas. I had no voice memos. I had nothing. I would play chords and I'd be like, that's terrible. You know, and then I'd try to get on the piano and like, oh, that's terrible. You know, it's like everything was was just bad. I don't know what it was, but I think that a licensing friend of mine, a really good friend who who we were we kind of had parallel careers. Um, he's independent, he's doing really well. And we talked and and I was, I think I'd mentioned something about not being able to to write anything. And and he was like, Have you ever thought about maybe doing like a song a day? Hmm. Like just trying to focus on waking up in the morning with an idea, no matter how terrible it is. It may be great, but like it may be terrible. And it's like, no matter what it is, finish it. Yeah. Work eight hours a day and finish it or whatever time you have, you know? And I was like, well, I just finished a record. I don't have anything for like, you know, I, I had a big gap. I was taking a break anyway because I've worked on so many other projects. So I was like, okay. I was like, maybe I'll try this. And I kid you not, I wrote 30 songs in 30 days. Yeah. And now I was never intending to release them. They were, this was an exercise, right? This was, this was intended for me to break through and get into a cycle and get into a rhythm and just finish because especially as songwriters, like finishing is equally as important as finding a grace. Like you have to finish. Yeah. Well, it's funny because, sorry, I was just thinking like it, I don't want to say it's easy, but um, I go through spells where it's easy for me to come up with hooks and melodies. Uh, I, c- I could do that till the sun goes down almost every day. But that, but you're right. I think we live in this, and I talk about it a lot. Just the idea of of, of finishing something, finishing a song, finishing a short story, a poem, a book. I mean, yeah. it, it's just. It, I think it's that's a great exercise too. When, yeah. Now, when you say you finished. Were you actually, was it like recorded or you had just, you know, like the lyrics and the, and the structure of the song? All, all of it. Wow. I, I started with piano or guitar, wrote it, wrote the lyrics, recorded the demo. So some of it was on, some of it by the end of the day, it was only like vocal and acoustic or vocal piano, but I usually had a beat, usually had a bass, usually had some kind of, you know, noises or something in it. So there was, there was some form of pre what I would call now pre-production, right? right? There was some form of de- demo-ish production on it. And so um, now this kind of connects to what I talked about in losing myself. So in this experience, it ended up being a detriment. So I want to like, I want to make sure that I'm, you know, that I'm clear on, on that, that I finished this 30 and th- these 30 songs in 30 days and I was going to be done with it, but I started letting friends hear it. And I started letting some music supervisors hear it. And they, they all were like, you've got to release this stuff. And the the interesting thing about this, Eddie, was that every song was different. Yeah. Cause I, in my mind, I was like, well, I want to, I'm going to wake, I'm going to write a Foo Fighters song today Mm. or Foo, Foo Fighters style song today, or I'm going to write a, you know, maybe a folky, you know, at that time, Civil Wars kind of thing or something, you know, but this was the last set of songs that I released 
I think you may have heard some of them. Mm-hmm. I think you you had mentioned in an in an email some of them, but um, that was the project that I'm talking about. The those are the 30 songs I wrote in 30 days, and what ended up happening was though it was really great when I actually released them, it created a conflict because Lee Hester Rocker, Lee Hester folk artist, Lee Hester singer songwriter. Or, you know, it's like all these things. And eventually I had I had one one music supervisor. I'm not going to say his name, but who I, I love and I trust and I respect tremendously. And he literally was like, dude, I don't know who you are anymore. Wait, but hold on. Let's. I want to zero in on on this. I'm going to play devil's advocate and <laughs> no, uh, because like like. First of all, that's one opinion, and second of all, it's sort of like, well, I don't know who you are. I mean, you're you're an artist. You're you're exploring uh, different mediums and you're exploring different sounds, and that's what artists do. And it's sort of like, who the fuck cares what this person said? I mean, it's like I just think about U2. I mean, look, U2 is one of the greatest bands of all time. You know, REM has changed it up, but it's sort of like, you know, sometimes I get so frustrated when. You know, an artist will just sort of like, not sometimes, I get, it's just if I, here's that fine line, like Tom Petty, God love him, he's one of my favorites, he's he's so good at what he, he was so good at what he did, he didn't have a great vocal range, his songs weren't complicated, so maybe here's a perfect example in support of this music supervisor where like, I know that's Tom Petty. Uh, so I, I don't know, like, I'm curious how much stock did you take in what this person said? Because I, I don't know, I'm conflicted by by that. As you Sure. Can no, yeah. that's that's fair. That's completely fair. So context yeah. is this guy had licensed my music in the past. OK. And he was a huge fan of what I brought to the table when I when I was when I was like releasing a record that made that was like. It, that's a Lee Hester record, right? Right. So these these songs were is kind of like the the thing that I took from that, and what I think ended up being a really a really great thing that that came out of that was I don't he wasn't necessarily um, criticizing what I was doing. He wasn't criticizing the the level of of musicianship his perspective, what I believe was, do you like, I think he really wanted me to think about who I was. Cause he said, now when I'm, when I'm hearing all of this music that you're giving me, I feel like you're now a music library. Hmm. I feel like now I am listening to pitches from a, from a library. Interesting. Pitches from a company that is, that represents a bunch of artists, and it just so happens that your name's on all of them. But it also, it's sort of, yeah, <laughs> you know? but it's also sort of like in your defense. I mean, it's 30 songs. Uh, it was sort of like an intention behind it. Like you, you yeah. You, so yeah, it's it, sort of like, well, that's kind of why it's 30 fucking songs. And, and yeah, you, it's a lot of, that's a lot of damn songs yeah. in 30 days to even, fin- you know, now granted, the finished product was not what I did in 30 days, but. Um, the, yeah. only, the only reason but, I'm giving you a hard – I'm not even giving you a hard time. But this is something that I really think about a lot is uh, algorithms, um, expectations, uh, people forgetting that human beings are complicated. And we have like I can be angry, but I can also be happy. You know, I can be funny, but also serious. It's sort of like I'm always curious about that slippery slope of when uh, people want us to sort of be the same. I think sure. that's a complex. Yeah, I, I agree. And so I think that what I recognized and what this guy was telling me 
it was kind of the same thing, just in a different, it was at a different time. It was because of something different because I did end up releasing that project. You know, it does set me up for review Hmm. and it does set me up to be questioned. It does, you know, like, like I'm putting myself on the, you know, I'm putting myself on the table to be, to be, you know, judged. I walked away from that conversation. I don't remember all of it, but I walked away from that conversation thinking, I don't know who I am anymore. Hmm. And maybe that was a fundamental reflection of the fact that I chose to wake up and write 30 different songs every day instead of trying to focus on writing 30 songs that were who I am. I need more than rainbow in the sky. I need more than a tragedy to start asking why. I need more than a beautiful butterfly, butterfly. one quote-unquote forces themselves to to act in this disciplinary action i think one could be productive clearly you were this is something that i i think about a lot but but is it truly from the artist's soul and 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 heart if it's more if it's being fueled because of a disciplinary action and maybe it's not you know sure well clearly I walked away with 30 songs that represented 30 versions of me. Yeah. Because not any song, like if you listen to that 30 and 30 project, most of the songs don't, are, are not even close to each other. Like some of them can translate, you know, but most of them are like, they were all individual ideas, you know, and they, they didn't have a connection with each other. And, you know, so walking away from that, you know, that, that is what, birthed too far moon and too far moon was my intentional effort to write a brand new record that was focused on reconnecting to who i was at that moment in my life Hmm. not who i was before not not who i was when i when i first found success but it was it was a it was like a reinvention it was a moment for me to press the reset button and I can, I now can be, I now can focus on, on who I want to be. And what is that? Who am I now? Yeah. Who I am do. I creatively? Who I am? What do I want to say? What's my content? You know? I do have and, those, sorry, I was thinking about, because to your point, I do have those moments. Um, you know, my artist's name is Eddie Cohn. And I, I do think about those artists, you know, I used to love Neil Young. Um, I didn't like James Taylor, but th- there is this sort of um, aura or, or um, preconceived perception if it's just your name. And, and I, you know, and maybe I'm projecting and maybe it's just my own projection. But when I used to see singer-songwriter's name, I would think acoustic guitar or mm-hmm. piano, sort of like... Uh, and and to be honest, boring. Like like that just bores me. And and I think that's why I was really curious about Alanis Morissette, that first record, Jagged Little Pill, singer songwriter. But you know, Glenn Ballard produced the hell out of that thing. Uh, Beck, I, I love because you know, full band sometimes, other times, sea change. It's an acoustic guitar. Um, Joseph Arthur, sure, it's his name. But uh, he he explores these these varied. I, I don't know. So yeah, I, I'm I'm confl- another area that I get conflicted by. Maybe it's just something I think about too much. But this idea of you know Lee Hester, Eddie Cohn, does society sort of like assume that it's going to be an acoustic guitar piano thing, or have we gotten past that because of the Billie Eilish's? You know, I, I don't know. I think now when people see names, you know. Most of the most of the things that I listen to on you know playlists or you know 
when people send me things or, you know, I, I mean, I subscribe to Apple Music and I do have a, I do have genre, like genre playlists that I, that get fresh, freshly flushed in every week. Like I get new, new things every week. So I don't always know what's playing, but it's on a playlist that constantly, you know, I'm listening to. And um, my point is that I, I think that when I see people's names now, like I don't think of acoustic gu- or guitar or piano anymore. Okay. I think of, I think of beats. <laughs> I yeah. think of, okay. I, if I, if I do think of piano, I think of, you know, okay, well, this is what, well, like, I think they're just going to be another pop, another, you know, pop singer, another pop sound. And that's usually, and to be honest with you, that's kind of what it is, you know? So like, um, I see more of this, of the artist name being that versus how it used to be band names. Yeah. My decision to let go of my name had a lot to do with, I I just, I, I wanted, I wanted a restart. I wanted to sep- I wanted to do something that separated me from my past. Yeah. When I pick up a guitar or something, I'll just start strumming and like mumbling. I'm a mumbler a lot. Sure. And then, and then those mumbles turn into lyrics. You know, what's talk to me a bit about um I mean it's it's a bit complicated because I know we've been talking about the muse and feeling inspiration, but if you are actually feeling inspired to pick up the guitar, or play the piano, I mean do you, you have lyrics first or do you hear like melodies in your head and, or how does that, can you explain that a bit? So I rarely write lyrics first. Yeah, me too. And I think that historically, almost every song, for the most part, every song I've ever written, I've always done the music first. I've always done the arrangement first. I've always done that with a, you know, with a mumble. I, I know a song, God, I can't. It's it's on a record that is no longer available. Like it's way old, and I literally freestyled the lyrical content while I was right. Well, because I I had the melody down, but I wanted to. I, I just wanted to get it on tape so I wouldn't forget it. But I also used it to write, you know, to overdub with because I hadn't actually written the lyrics to the song yet, and almost verbatim my freestyle became it it became 65 to 70 percent of the actual finished lyrics yeah now that doesn't always happen but that's how it happened for that song but i usually do the same thing i'm usually mumbling melodies i mean you know or i'm on a piano you know i'm doing little single note piano melody things trying to figure out around the you know around the the structure of the song um, lyrics are usually lyrics and or melody or both at the same time are usually the last thing that I do. This is what's so frustrating for me is like, I, I wrote this amazing, I think, melody the last few days and I'm, I'm playing the guitar again and in my head, it, it sounds so cool and I hear some big drums and some Coldplay guitars, uh, but Sometimes the lyrics don't come, and it's sure. and it's that's like such the frustrating part for me of songwriting. Whereas uh, this last record, I, I wrote a lot of lyrics within a few weeks, which was just sort of surreal. That had never happened before. But then I do have those moments where I've sort of like kind of produced a song. I've called the drummer, I've called the bass player. They threw on some things, but I you're sort of like playing with fire a bit because. Um, you're, I'm, I'm hoping the lyrics are going to come, and I, I, sometimes they don't. And I'm like, "Fuck!" It's it's just it's it's amazing. Like, do you think about I'm going to go only so far because the lyrics aren't done yet? Oh, do you know um, what I mean? Now, pr- from a from a production, yes. Yeah. If I don't feel like the lyrics, if I don't feel like I have a lyric yet, then I won't commit to full production. Okay. Um, I'll how far, usually, how far would you go? Um, I'll go to the point where I'm ready to have somebody come in and track something, but I okay. won't go any further. Okay. Um, because sometimes, sometimes, I mean, this happens, but sometimes what I thought was the chorus will be the pre-chorus. Yeah. And sometimes what I thought was the verse will end up being the chorus, at least the chords, because it's like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll let, 
somebody hear it or, you know, I'll just live with it for a little bit and try different melodies. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is making me feel like I want to go here. Yeah. But that's like, that is not verse energy. Yeah. <laughs> that's chorus energy. Right. And so that has happened where I, I mix it up and I'm like, okay, now, now that's, now that's, that, that's right to me. That feels right to me. And then I'll, then it happens and I'm, and I'm good. Yeah. You know, and, and that's kind of part of, of, you know, the idea or the the experience that I had in, I think I mentioned it before, um, that a song, a song will speak to you. You know, it'll, it'll get you to the finish line if you let it. So I do think that ultimately, um, if you pay attention and if you, if you let it, the song will, the song will guide you. Um, but you can also put yourself like what you said, you, you could, you could find yourself going all out on a, on production and on a track thinking that you're going to land it. And the next thing, you know, the verse is the chorus. So yeah. then what do you, then what you got to redo it, redo it. <laughs> you know, and you do that once or twice and you pay for it, you know, you realize that, okay, I, I need to, I need to be open to, to and adapt and be willing to change and be willing to allow things to to evolve. something about those moments where you don't know what you're doing but you hear and feel something and you're not thinking and uh, that if you can capture that in a in a quote-unquote performance where it might be five months later or your you know 40th or 50th take that's that's the genius but also um, the 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 conflict and the conundrum because it's it's often impossible to replicate that sort of raw organic moment where you're singing that melody or hearing that melody for the first time. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely, it creates challenge. Yeah. I think that, I do think that if you've done it once, you can do it again. Okay. Um, may, maybe not, you know, maybe not the same way, but I think that, I think if you can connect, if, if that ever does happen and you can reconnect to the original idea and you feel like the original idea is the right way to go, or something close to closer to the original original idea is the right way to go. Then, um, you know, I, I certainly think that that you can reconnect to that, and and you know, you're the only one who's going to ever hear the original, you know, voice memo. So anybody that listens to it, they're going to get the best version oh, that right. they're, you, you know, what I mean. Like for them, it's it's the version. Perfection is not always what connects people to things when did i you know we have these long relationships with music um and i'm sure it's ebbed and flowed over the years but i guess there's two areas that i'm curious about okay um when did you get the sense like when was your curiosity perked by music like those first early moments and then i often think about when was was it a conscious decision or when were you thinking, oh, I, I want to try and do this for a living or, or you, you know, th- so those are like two areas that I've always been curious about uh, when I speak to people. Okay. So th- this is probably going to be a little, I wouldn't say embarrassing, but um, that probably every kid, almost every kid did this. <laughs> I mean, all, we had record players, you know, before we had, we had record players and then we had cassette tapes, you know, that was my childhood music. That, that was my, you know, that, that was my iPhone yeah. <laughs> when I was a kid, that was what you had musically in the radio. And I, you know, all I know is as early as I can remember, like as literally early as I can remember I was singing in my church growing up I was evidently 
singing a lot. Um, I specifically, so as far as like when I started doing music, I think it was before I even knew that I was doing music. I think I just gravitated and connected um, before, like before my memories kind of, I had, you know, before I really remember the first time. And so I just know that that's what the way it was just from family telling me and things like that. So, um, but the first time that I really started connecting to music, not the first time that I thought it was what I wanted to do for a living, but the first time that I really connected to music, I had to be around eight, 10 years old. And I got my first jam box, boom box, whatever you want to call it, like the thing that you put, you know. Um, and I think I mentioned this in the, in the last podcast we did, but I, I, I would record the Casey Kasem Top 40. And I would sing as if I was a part of every band. Like I knew hmm. every song. And this is weird because now I can't even remember my lyrics and I'm looking at them. And I, and I, like, I've got, you know, I'm like recording and I'm like, wait, what did I just sing? <laughs> yeah. But back then it's like all the lyrics, all the melodies. I sang harmonies. I danced. I was in the mirror with my hairbrush, which I don't need anymore. But, you know, I was, I mean, I was like, I was living the dream and I was like, I wanted to be in that band. And then the next song would come on and I'd be like, I want to be in that band. Top 40 had, I mean, it was mostly pop, but they did have bands and then they did have, you know, then you had Michael Jackson and then you, you know, I grew up, you know, like I specifically remember when Thriller came out. That was when I really started to feel connected to music. It did something to me. It actually was an outlet for me. Like I was, you know, I'm an empath. And so I think that for many, many years, I carried a lot of things that I, you know, even as a kid, I didn't know what, what it was. And I had a really, you know, I just was impacted by a lot of things around me that, you know, that I may not have even understood or I didn't have anything to do with. And, you know, so music became, a very special part of my life because it helped me to process. It helped me to get out my emotions in a way that made me feel safe. As far back as I can remember, that was really when I first started connecting to music, where it started moving me and impacting me. Eddie, it may have been even the same, like kind of age, kind of school, like middle school or elementary school or whatever that I we had this um, music group come and perform at our school. Um, that particular day, I probably was in trouble. It's probably why I, was, I had to sit beside the teacher. Um, but I, rem- I specifically remember sitting beside my teacher and I looked at her and I said, that's what I'm going to do wow. when I grew up. I was in chorus. Like I, I played, I was a four letter athlete um, all through junior high and high school. But then I, I did chorus. Like I, I really wanted to continue to be a part of music somehow. And so I was in a traveling chorus group, you know, and, and then, I mean, we can't really get into to a lot of this, but, you know, I went on a journey, you know, where, you know, I didn't really know exactly what I was going to do, but I never let go of music. Hmm. And then the opportunity came where I was able to join a group that traveled and, it gave me the opportunity to like experience a, you know, a live perform, you know, performing live. And I think the transition from performing in my bedroom to Casey Kasem, (laughs) you know, by myself to doing chorus in high school and then actually traveling to places I'd never been before in my life and being in front of people I didn't know yeah. every night or however many nights a week and learning the live experience, I was like, this is amazing. It was like, there is no doubt that this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And so when I finished that tour, I came back home 
I worked for my dad unloading trucks. He, he was a distribution manager for a huge like fabric company. And so I was this, you know, kid, I, I kid out of college. I quit after two years. I didn't finish my, I didn't get my degree because I wanted to go, because so I, I wanted to go tour. Yeah. I came back, you know, worked in a hot warehouse unloading trucks for a year, I think almost a year, saved up money, went and did my first record down in Florida with a guy that I had met while I was on, on that one tour, made that record. And then I moved to Nashville when hmm. I was 23. I was able to get into, I didn't have a job yet. I moved without, like, I, I don't even know what I was doing. I would not do that now. That's the weird thing is yeah. that I don't think that I could do that now. You know, but back then I didn't know any better. And I was like a free spirit. I, I mean, I'm still a free spirit, but, you know, I, it, it figured itself out, you know. But, yeah, that, that was kind of my beginning. That was my moment of connection and the realization that this was what I wanted to do. And then kind of a little bit of a timeline of yeah. me actually making the step. Um, it's Lee, it's been, it's been nice to get to know you and, and, and talk to you these last few weeks. And, uh, I, I appreciate it. I, I, um, think you need to keep creating and keep making music, and I think you know that. But I, I, I think that last song, hopefully that you wrote, hopefully you'll finish it, quote unquote, finish it. Um, and yeah, it's just it's um, it's been nice to talk to you, and uh, I, I I love my show because it's it's just nice to reflect and talk about these very uh, inspiring and interesting, but also very complicated areas. So I appreciate it. Yeah, and I know that you know, we, we've talked about a lot of things and, you know, we, it's kind of obviously been a two part situation, but you know, it, it, I've had, I had a lot of conversation today before this podcast with a friend of mine that I didn't mention anything about that on, on today, but um, maybe we can do off, off record. Yeah. Have a conversation off record sometime. It's, it was really, really insightful um we just didn't it's just not the way we went today so um which is totally fine like i think sometimes it's just about it's not always about um it's not always about a point you know yeah. sometimes it's just about the journey yeah and, it, and it's about learning you know and, and experiencing um perspectives and being inspired you know this is technology, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's like, I don't know, you know, it's like as, as long as, you know, sometimes it's just about how can we inspire and be inspired in, in, in the noise and in the quiet, Yeah, you know, and all of it. Cause we all, we all have to be somehow inspired where we are with what we have and with who we are. Well, cool, man. I appreciate you talking, and um, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll send it, set this up in the next couple of weeks. But it's it's been nice to reflect on all of these areas. I appreciate you taking the time. Sure thing, man. It's been great. Yeah, man. It's been it's been challenging to like think <laughs> about these things. Like, yeah, no, I know. <laughs> it's good stuff. Um, so cool. Well, yeah, we'll definitely we'll talk again, not on the podcast, but I'll 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 send you an email in the next week or so. Yeah, sure thing, man. Cool, dude. Have a great night. You too, man. Take care. Bye.